Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, how can I make a difference? What can I do that'll make someone else's life better? Does that mean giving of your time? Maybe you think giving monetarily is the best way to make a difference or using your talents in such a way that you affect change somehow or leave a lasting impact. Americans have actually stepped up in a big way when it comes to giving to others. In fact, approximately 63 million Americans, that's 25% of the adult population, volunteer their time, their talents, and their energy to making a difference. People spend on average 52 hours per year volunteering their time. Do you think these statistics change at all when America is experiencing some kind of crisis? Some leaders report that a crisis is the only real way to move people towards giving. We all have seen, we've all have heard, we've witnessed some really great people giving in a number of different ways during this COVID pandemic crisis which is absolutely wonderful, right? It's a trend we wanna see continue. So our first guest today is gonna to talk a bit about this idea of giving during a crisis. And then because the top volunteer activity in the nation is food collection and distribution, about 24%, we'll learn about what a local nonprofit is doing to help the community in this area. My first guest today is Heather Deaton, one of our very own financial advisors here at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Welcome to the show today, Heather. Hi, Jill. Thank you. Because your livelihood, Heather, is, is really helping people understand financial opportunity and benefits, you're going to talk about some financial related things as they relate to giving. And we'll get to that in a bit. But can you start out by sharing what is most needed by organizations right now? Well, overall, the averages that we're seeing is that we can expect a 38% revenue decline on average at nonprofits, but an, a 23% increase in demand within this crisis. So for what is most needed by an organization, you really need to call and ask do some research, get curious. Um, many organizations that would typically take in-kind donations, like say food uh, donations out of your pantry, you know, they're wanting cash instead. So then they can use that cash and they can apply it to still distributing food out to the hungry, but using commodity food instead of having what's been donated. There's many different guidelines now as well for volunteering and some of the places where people would go to do some work have had to shift and pivot to, to providing different services. We'll talk more about that later as well. But many volunteering events have been canceled. So what you thought you may have always done as an annual outreach might be different. So you really need to look at their websites, call the organization. Many organizations have had to reduce their staff. And so, you know, it may take a little patience to be able to reach out and find out more information. So give us some tangible ideas then on some ways that we can help. If someone's listening and they say, you know, we really want to help, we're just not sure how. Give us some ideas, some ways that people can, can help. 
That's great. You know, there are many ways to help with physical, tangible things by doing at-home projects, by making masks to donate to organizations that may be requiring masks for the people that participate and take advantage of the services they provide. Uh, you can do at-home mailings, uh, outbound phone calls that the organization needs done, or even being part of delivery and drop-off services for um, some of the different things that need to be transported. Because the staffing's reduced in many organizations, being able to share your expertise, your experience, and your passion by giving time, serving on committees, and serving on boards, using your connections to bring in more help at the levels that the organization needs. And then the other way to, to stay involved or get more involved is to you know, engage in any of the different things that the organizations are putting on virtually. You know, get curious about what their mission really is about. See what you can do to learn more about what they provide, any of the, you know, Zoom meetings that they have so you can participate in talkbacks and then share and promote what you learn on your social media and within your network of your friends, family, colleagues. That's important to, to understand because we're in a an environment of social distancing, right? So many nonprofits have shut down their, their, their doors or maybe, as you said, they've reduced staff. So they have to figure out different ways that they can do business as usual. So talk a little bit about that social distancing and fundraising events. You know, how, how are these being handled? Well, and as, as you can think back, most fundraising and fundraising events that you've ever been involved in have been an event somewhere. Maybe it's a gala event, maybe it's a dinner, maybe it's a 5K or a walk. Many of those have been canceled, postponed, or changed to something different. So ways that you can still participate is if you've bought a ticket to an event and they are offering a refund, consider donating that refund to the organization. Don't take the refund. Um, another thing is if it's an event that you hadn't quite signed up for yet and it's been changed or canceled, you could still contribute that amount that you would have paid on that ticket to your organization. Um, engaging in any virtual events that come through and inviting others, that's going to be one of the key things that you can do is engaging people in your network to get to know the organizations that you are passionate about then down the road, they will continue to want to be involved as well. And, you know, honoring your traditions. So we have an annual 5K, my kids and I, that we run every year. And that's been, that's been canceled. So we're still going to participate in the 5K on our own, try to raise some funds, whether it's within our family, promote it on social media, and then be able to give a donation to that organization anyway. Many of the 5Ks and walks have been changed to something virtual, and that's a great thing to be a part of too. There's a, they'll block out a week and say, do your, do your 5K walk or run in this week, post pictures on social media, you know, at, do, do fundraiser events for, say, with you're celebrating a birthday, you can do a fundraising event for that, asking people in your network again to, to donate in your name, in your honor to the organization. You know, one of our associates, Wendy Bitter, she's on the board for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and they have had to cancel their 
main fundraising event. But what they've done now is that their board is participating in a Ragnar event, which is a 200 mile walk, run, bike, is my understanding. Um, and so each of them are taking a spin at the at 20 miles. So she's going to have a period of time. She's got to get out there and get active for 20 miles. Um, and then that's how they're going to, you know, try to promote that and raise funds for their organization. I like how people are being creative, right? You know, they're, they're saying, okay, uh, we can't do this, but we can do this. You know, we, we can't have the normal gala or golf outing that we would have, but we're doing a pivot, as you say, Heather, and, and now we're going to uh, mix it up a bit and we're going to do it this way. So being creative is, is wonderful. And I also liked what you talked about uh, with regard to passion. We talk all the time on this show about aligning your passion with an organization. There's over 54,000 nonprofits in the state of Wisconsin. There's one out there that you can align your passion with, right? So just get educated, know your resources, find one that aligns with those talents and your passion and turn it into a purpose and, and give back somehow. So there, there are some financial related topics that are worth talking about as we work our way through this crisis. So stay tuned and Heather will expand more on that after the break. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community. I'm talking with Heather Deaton today, financial advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group. Now, we know that people don't always donate or give of their financial resources just for the tax incentives, but if you have decided that this is the way you want to give and make a difference, you should really know what tax incentives are available uh, for giving. So uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit for us, Heather? Yeah, I sure can, Jill. Thank you. So there are some specific tax incentives, and like you said, that we need to be aware of as we plan. So the CARES Act, that's the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act that was passed earlier this year. It provides some changes to the current tax code for this year. First of all, there is a $300 charitable deduction that is above the line that is for every individual taxpayer. So it's $600 up to $600 for joint filers. What that means is that you can deduct contributions cash contributions to charitable organizations for up to $300 or $600, even if you take the standard deduction or even if you itemize. So it's really a great way to take advantage of that. What you'd wanna do is make sure you save all of your confirmations, all of your receipts from the charities this year, and then give that to your tax preparer um, next spring. The other piece is that if you itemize your deductions, the limit has been, up, you could only deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. They've actually increased that limit for this year to being able to deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. So working with your tax planner on that would be able to really maybe move the mark for you on your itemized deductions this year. And then corporations, their limit has been increased as well to up to 25% of their revenues and up to 25% of their 
food inventory donations. So that was an important piece on the corporate side. Now, for those increased limits, that is only when it's specific organizations. If you're donating to a donor advised fund, which is a great tax strategy as well, or to a foundation, the maximum deduction that you can take is 30% of your adjusted gross income. Now, if you can contribute more than that and you want to contribute more than that, you can. Anything above that cap is then carried forward and you can take that across the next five years of tax returns. So again, it's a, it's a bit of a tax planning strategy, but if you can get more money out to those charities, the better. And additionally, you know, the, the CARES Act also waived the required minimum distributions for IRAs this year for those that are in required minimum distribution status. But they kept the qualified charitable distribution. What a QCD is, is a distribution out of your IRA if you are over 70 and a half. And if that goes straight to a charitable organization, you pay no tax on it. The charity pays no tax on it. And so that's a really great strategy there as well. So in a way, if you're 70 and a half and you have an IRA, you should really never write a check to an organization again. You should always run it through um, with the custodian as, uh, as a, char a qualified charitable distribution. Okay. Well, what I heard from that is pay no tax. <laughs> pay pay all, less tax. Yeah, less for tax. sure. That's good. I mean, that's all, that's not my area of expertise. That's certainly uh, Heather's area. And then we also have our own tax advisor here at Ellen Becker, Sandra Geisler. So you can uh, reach out to either Heather or Sandra for further information on that. So all good stuff there and stuff we definitely need to be aware of. Um, Heather, can you talk a little bit about how organizations, both nonprofit and for-profit, are having to do a shift in response to this current crisis? Absolutely. You know, the organizations are all still open and operational, but they're having to do so many things virtually. So that's, that's a change right there. Like we, most of us have experienced that have been working, we've had to there's been a disruption and the, and organizations that are charitable aren't immune to that disruption either, but they've also, many organizations have made very strategic decisions to say, hey, we have to do what's right. Many organizations have created COVID specific relief funds. So if you donate to that fund, it will go to COVID-19 related concerns that that organization is supporting. So I know Fondi Food Center has COVID-specific funds that they're collecting. Um, the church that I belong to, St. Matthew, Matthew's Lutheran Church in Wauwatosa has a Good Samaritan Fund to help out those that have been impacted by the crisis. There's also changes in some of the services that organizations have been able to provide. Just One More Ministry, they take rescued food from caterers and grocery stores and they redistribute that to the public. Well, that looks a lot different right now. There's not very many catering events. There's not much leftover food to rescue from restaurants. So they've actually changed and they're now distributing kits of mask making materials. So you can make 700 masks and give that back to them. Then they'll distribute those out to organizations that need them. They're also asking for people to buy a bag of groceries and contribute some funds along with it. A lot of great organizations responding 
in a number of great ways, right? Um, so it's interesting and important to know that side of it. But now let's focus on what we, the public, can do to respond and support in the community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, donating and contributing to any of the COVID-specific funds that I just mentioned and that many organizations have, that would be very helpful. And you could, again, follow your passion. You'll find the place that, that feels right for you or many places that feel right for you. You know, don't forget about smaller organizations. They're trying to stay afloat. So when things come back to a different space <laughs> that that they can still provide the services that are so needed. Um, another piece is focusing on the quality of what those organizations provide. You know, other very specific ways that you can think of helping in actual kind of broad terms is, you know, those that are really impacted, first responders and people on the front line. You know, restaurants are highly impacted by this. They've got virtual tip jars that you can add extra to go to their furloughed employees who are out of work right now. Some restaurants are taking in donations so then they can provide meals to frontline and first responders. And one story that I really love to share is a big pivot that a local restaurant, the Tandem restaurant in Lindsay Heights. So they have actually flipped from being a for-profit restaurant to providing all of their meals to the public for free for those in need. And they're partnering with Jose Andres World Central Kitchen in order to provide even more meals. So every day they've got a menu. And if you donate to the restaurant, they'll use that to hire local restaurants to make the meals that then they provide to the hungry people. It's really kind of a win-win-win. You're donating something you can take a tax break on that. The restaurants get business that they need to be able to stay afloat in this shutdown time that we're in. And then hungry people are getting fed. Very high quality, well-loved meals. Well, we love a win-win situation, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, not forgetting about local farmers, local producers. So there's a lot of issues with the supply chain They've planted their crops and they're running their farm thinking that we were going to have a, a normal year and with catering events and with restaurants, there's a disruption there, as you can see. So with that lower demand, they still need our help. So I like to support my local farmers and producers, again, helping them stay afloat for the future. Lots of really good information, timely, applicable information here that, that Heather has shared. If you want more information or you want to just connect with Heather and discuss further some of the things that she talked about, Heather, you want to share how best to get a hold of you? Sure. Anytime you can call the office, 262-691-3200, or you can email me at heather at ellenbecker.com. And I just would love to reiterate, follow your passion, get curious, learn, get creative, and you'll find the right way or ways to get involved. Wonderful. Well said. Thank you for joining us today, Heather. It's reported that the number one volunteer activity in the nation is collecting or distributing food. Our next guest is going to share how they're making an impact in the community regarding one of the most important basic needs. We'll be back in a moment. 
You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community. I'm your host, Jill Economo. And my next guest today is Jennifer Casey, the executive director of Fondi Food Center. And actually, we've asked Heather Deaton to stick around and give us insight when, uh, when she feels led to. She is the board president of the Fondi Food Center. So thank you for joining us uh, in our conversation today, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. I really appreciate the opportunity um, and really just want to say how much we appreciate the longtime partnership of Alan Becker. EIG, for instance, is a sponsor of this year's Fondi Farmers Market. Um, so there are a lot of ways that EIG contributes. Awesome. We love to hear that. We've had you on the show before, and you've talked about the wonderful work you do with a very basic human need, and that's food. But today we're going to talk more about that same thing, but as it relates to the COVID-19 pandemic. So can you first start by telling us how Fondi Food is responding to the COVID-19 crisis? Certainly. Well, we didn't stop working from day one when the crisis hit. Um, We have all continued to move our mission forward to increase and create equitable access to healthy food and economic opportunity across greater Milwaukee. Um, so, you know, everybody is working. How we're working looks differently. I'm, I'm talking to you from my dining room table this morning, for instance. But the, the market is open. The Fondi Farmers Market opened May 9th. The Fondi Farm is up and running. The crops are growing. But we've had to put safe operating plans in place. What is that exactly? What, what is your safe operating plan at the Fondi Food Market for this particular season? Sure. So at the Fondi Farmers Market, what people will see when they show up um, is that if they're not wearing a mask, we will offer them a free mask. I wear my mask to keep you safe. You wear your mask to keep my safe. And, you know, that's the CDC recommendation. We're continuing to um, look to the CDC for guidance this year, even as we're opening up. You'll see that vendors are spaced out and we're requesting that all of our customers um, respect social distancing guidelines. Um, And when you come to the market, you'll see signage that is asking you to, you know, shop safely and shop quickly um, to not come as a large group or gather. We're really still limited in the city of Milwaukee on how many people can gather even in outdoor spaces. So we're asking all of our customers to, to follow all of those guidelines. People can shop safely. And, you know, we're really, we worked with the Milwaukee Health Department, the State Department of Health, the Department of Ag and UW Extension to create these safe operating guidelines, not just for Fondi and our farmers market, but through our Milwaukee Farmers Market Coalition, we connected markets across the region with those state and local agencies to develop their own operational plans. So, Farmers markets are very unique. Everyone is very different, but in general, what you will see at farmers markets across the region this year is, you know, customers and vendors and staff are all being asked to wear masks. Markets are cleaning and sanitizing more often than they regularly would be doing. Um, they've got, we've got a hand washing station, hand sanitizer. If markets across the region don't have hand washing stations, they definitely have hand sanitizer. And everybody is asking vendors and customers to respect social distancing guidelines. 
So share with our audience then, uh, if they're unfamiliar, where exactly is the Fondi Food Market, if they want to visit? Absolutely. So first of all, let me just say the Fondi Food Center was started in 2000. We're celebrating our 20 year anniversary. Um, the nonprofit was started to support the Fondi Farmers Market, a historic market in the Lindsay Heights neighborhood in Milwaukee's uh, north side that has a history of serving that community for more than a century. The Fondi Farmers Market is Milwaukee's oldest and most diverse farmers market. Um, we work really hard to create a welcoming and inclusive space to serve all our you know, wonderful communities uh, across the Milwaukee area. You are open for business. You are practicing safe operating plans. So that's all good. Are you holding any special events and entertainment then at the market? That's a really good question, Jill. So right, and we're having very active conversations about that. As Milwaukee and you know the state of Wisconsin begins to open up, uh, we're talking about what that's going to look like for us at the Fondi Farmers Market this year. Right now, we're in our early spring market. So early in the spring, the Fondi Farmers Market is only open on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to noon. Starting June 27th, however, we go to four days a week and we're open more than 22 hours a week. So typically, once we get into our summer markets, Saturdays become the thing. Uh, it's a big event, 7 a.m. in the morning till 2 p.m. People come out to the market to gather together, to meet their neighbors, to talk with the farmers and learn a wide variety of recipes. We are asking people to come out and support those farmers markets, but we're not sure what sort of entertainment we're yet comfortable in offering to keep people there. Uh, usually on Saturdays, we've got music from a wide variety of local musicians. We've got cooking demos where we hire folks from the neighborhood to share their family seasonal recipes, highlighting produce from the market. At this time, we don't know when we're gonna bring those back. We, we're talking about postponing our big barbecue fest. Um, it's usually in the middle of July. We're looking at postponing it to August or maybe even in September. Heather, do you want to jump in here as a weekly shopper at the Fondi Farmer's Market? Thank you, Jen. Everyone who knows me knows that Fondi Farmer's Market is, is my happy place. And I bring my family and I love Saturday mornings, like Jen said. Well, I'm just learning how to love those a little bit different. I've been attending the early spring market now and I feel very safe and very welcome and it's different. I get to see my farmers and producers that I've gotten to know and, and, and love and care for so much over these last several years and, and it's different. There's, there's no hugs and there'll be mm -hmm. hugs someday, just not right, right now. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think it's important to reiterate that is that things just look a little different right now and everybody is having to adjust and we just want to find a way to highlight how organizations are doing that so the community is is aware you know it sounds like a fun social event at the fondy food market and you're able to get some great food at the same time so it's it's wonderful that you're still open and again you've had to pull back on some services and 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 that's okay like heather said you're just you're just finding a a new normal, uh, you know, and hopefully we'll we'll go back to what you were used to at some at some point in time here. So 
given the fact that throughout the Midwest, farmers are relatively an older population as compared to the general worker population. A 2019 AG consensus report shows that the average age of a farm worker is 58, about 10 years older than the average worker in other sectors. So how are farmers and producers doing, which are so important to Fondy Food and our community, how are they doing during this COVID-19 crisis? Stay tuned and we'll be back in a moment to learn more. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Jennifer Casey, Executive Director of the Fondy Food Center, and Heather Deaton, one of our very own financial advisors, who happens to be the board president of Fondy Food Center, and she is joining in the conversation today. So as we said before the break, statistics show that throughout the Midwest, the average age of a farmer is 58 years old, about 10 years older than a worker in other sectors. COVID-19 is said to be especially dangerous for this older population. So share with us, uh, Heather and Jennifer, how, how can we take care of our farmers and our producers? How, how are they doing during this crisis? Yeah, it's really important to think about. We have been thinking about the aging population of farmers for many years. A, a lot of people in the food system are, are concerned about that. Just in general, who are the next generation of farmers going to be? Just to broaden the topic for a second here. Um, it is getting into farming is can be an expensive proposition. So it's not that young people don't want to farm. In fact, there's a lot of interest, but gaining access to land is one of the biggest barriers when it comes to young people deciding to get into farming. So to that point, Fondy Food Center in 2010 um, created a farm that creates access to land for people who need it. We have a 40-acre farm the Fondy Farm at Mequon Nature Preserve. It's 12 miles from the Fondy Farmer's Market. And on that farm, we rent to 22 small family farmers. Um, the vast majority of our farmers are Hmong American, and the vast majority of them are over 58. Um, so you'll see a lot of our elders, they don't farm solo, they bring their families. So you can go out to the Fondy farm and walk the fields and see what's growing. And you'll see generations of families working together. And then they come to the market together as well. So you can see, you know, up to four generations sometimes at the Fondy farmer's market. And it's really, you know, beautiful space to, to connect and, and learn from families that bring with them generations of experience farming from Southeast Asia. But in the COVID-19 crisis, we're especially concerned about the health of our farmers and our vendors, um, especially those who are more at risk. I had a couple of sobering conversations with um, a couple of farmers before the market opened on May 9th. They weren't sure if they were comfortable coming to the farmer's market. They had invested in all sorts of seeds and were ready to be planting in the fields if they hadn't started already, but they had concerns about their health. 
What we did is we created a safe operating plan. We then did a virtual discussion with our farmers on Zoom and we went over that plan. We talked about how we were going to keep them safe and keep our staff safe and keep our shoppers safe. Every single one of the farmers has come back to the market this year. So I can say that we are concerned about those in our community who are more at risk of COVID-19, but we feel really confident that we've created a safe operating plan in concert with the Milwaukee Health Department that's gonna keep everybody in our community safe. You know, Jen, you had mentioned the farm and being able to walk the fields. You know, my husband and I were hiking at Mequon Nature Preserve and I was so lovingly looking at the farm fields from the trail I was on and I saw some of our farmers out there, you know, doing the work that they need to do to prepare for the summer and the market. You know, I, I so embrace and, and love the cultural connection that Fondy Farm and Fondy Farmers Market in fact, all of Fondi Food Center is able to provide to, to people that appreciate that and, and participate. So if even if you want to go for a hike, what you're saying, Heather, is that you can go out there and, and you get more information and more knowledge than maybe you, you thought you would, right? Absolutely. Paying attention, you know, really does help, you know, again, getting curious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know you have programs also, Jennifer, that focus on getting food to people that really need it. We do, Jill. Um, food insecurity is a very real problem for many Americans. It was before the COVID-19 crisis and um, hunger is on the rise due to all of the economic insecurity. Luckily, there are things that we can do about it as community members. There are a lot of different ways that you can help get food to people who are hungry, including contributing to many of the amazing food pantries and food banks in our community. What we do at the Fondy Farmers Market is very unique in the way that we are increasing access to healthy food for people that need it. We have something called the Market Match Program. And what that program does is we raise funds every year on an annual basis um, to double up people's SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as food stamps. We double up people's SNAP purchasing power so they can buy more produce when they come to the farmer's market. And that is a win-win-win. So first of all, you're getting people who are economically insecure and food insecure access to more food. You're also giving them purchasing power and contributing to their overall household budget. Then that benefit gets transferred to the farmers because that's 20 more dollars that's going straight into their pocket. So it's a really it's a really impactful program on a number of different levels. We it's a very popular program. Our customers love it. Um, we run out of funding every year pretty quickly um, because we, there are so many people in Milwaukee who, um, you know, are, are food insecure um, and really looking for fresh produce to feed their families. What an awesome program. What is the name of that again? That's called the Market Match Program. So that doubles up SNAP benefits. It also doubles up WIC or Women, Infants, and Children and Senior Farmers Market Nutrition Program vouchers. So we're helping women with small children. We're helping the elders in our community and we're helping families that 
are um, eligible for food share or the SNAP program. Awesome. You're, you're really fulfilling a, a, a crucial need out there. That's wonderful. What would you say are your immediate and long-term funding needs then? Well, that's a great question. It's always a great question. And I think, you know, any nonprofit really welcomes unrestricted contributions at any time. That way they can be most responsive to the evolving needs of their community. That said, you know, right now we are raising funds for our, our COVID-19 response. Um, we've already raised more than $40,000. And what we're doing is we are transferring that to the farmers. Uh, we're reducing the stall, the annual stall rental rates at the farmer's market, as well as at the farm. We're providing rent relief with those funds. We're, we've also had to purchase a lot of, you know, personal protective equipment and, and new signage. Um, and there's a number of ways that we're putting those dollars to use. Um, at the same time, I mean, I think we're, we're really looking for people to contribute to our market match program, the program that really has that that triple win to it. Um, and I, like I said earlier, it is it is one of the most popular and most impactful programs. I'm a registered dietitian by trade, and I've, you know, for more than a decade, well over a decade, <laughs> I've, I've engaged in a lot of what we call nutrition interventions. Um, which is really, you know, a number, whether it's from education or cooking classes, uh, garden programs, there are a lot of good things you can do to improve people's nutrition. This is by far the most impactful nutrition intervention that I've ever seen in my life. Like it's really getting more fruits and vegetables into, you know, people's dining room tables. Mm, well, that's, uh, that's so great. And we're so appreciative, Jennifer, for all the work that you and Fondy Food do uh, in the community. What, what are you hoping that the audience will take away from all this wonderful information you've shared with us today in the interview? Well, I hope they'll get curious as um, Heather keeps mentioning. Um, I hope they will come visit our website at Fondy, F-O-N-D-Y, market.org. There they can learn about when is the market open and what's going on and what's in season. They can find out how to contact me on our staff page. They can learn about volunteer opportunities and they can also look at, you know, what we're raising money for. So um, there's a lot of information on the website and I hope that, you know, after listening to this, people visit at fondymarket.org. They can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Um, but there's there's a lot that we're we're sharing out there. Oh, also importantly, at the website, you can sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. We send out one newsletter a week um, with news about the market, with news about the farm. Um, this week, last week, we sent out a um, virtual panel discussion that we had with local chefs that typically do our big special event fundraiser every year, the Fondy Farm Feast. Um, so there's, there's a lot of information packed in that weekly e-newsletter, but we try not to flood your inbox with <laughs> <laughs> irrelevant information. Well, again, so much good information that it's a, it's a great way to follow up on a lot of the things that you've shared today. So Thank you, Jennifer Casey, Executive Director of the Fondy Food Center, for joining us today and sharing your passion with us. Thank, thank you. you. You are welcome. And also thank you, Heather Deaton, 
uh, one of our own financial advisors right here at Ellen Becker Investment Group and uh, uh, president of the board at Fondy Food. So thank you for joining us as well, Heather. Absolutely, Jill. Thank you for having me. If you'd like further information about what we've talked about today, or you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. So join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as we highlight more nonprofits doing great things in our community. It'll give you a chance to learn firsthand what some of these great people and organizations are doing and how they're making a difference. You can tune in either on your radio, AM 1130, or Newstalk1130.com on your computer or laptop. You can even go to an iHeartRadio app and tune in that way. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. You can also listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. Find an organization, like we've been saying, that aligns with your passion and your talents, and then use that to be a blessing and give a blessing to someone in the world today. Stay safe and stay healthy. Have a great Sunday.